I have some announcements. I would like to uh, remind everyone that next Sunday at 11 a.m. at Grace Lutheran Church is Karen Merkel's memorial service. Excuse me, Saturday, April 9th. Yes, thank you for that. You've got to keep an eye on me, especially when I'm up here. <laughs> so yes, April 9th is Saturday, Karen Merkel's uh, memorial service at uh, 11 a.m. Grace Lutheran Church. Also, next Saturday is the council meeting, and uh, that starts at 9.30, and it'll be a short one, I'm sure. Right, Randy? Okay. So we can get over all, uh, to, uh, to Karen's service. And then also there's a, an events committee. Um, and if you would take a look at that, that also meets on April 9th at noon. So um, please uh, consider uh, joining the committee um, for planning of social events. And that would be super. Um, what else do I have? My helper uh is not here today so oh Joni are you gonna play today okay I want to thank you very very much Joan Fry is gonna uh, accompany um today um with the Kyrie and um the poor lady had to sit there and hear me uh belt it out but um, she's very patient and I'm grateful to you uh, we practiced this last week so she'll be helping us on the Kyrie and a couple other times during the service thank you Joni for that and thank you to all of the volunteers uh the greeters and the uh even the sound guy and uh <laughs> and, and Ken, thank you for that. Uh, Ken brought off two chocolate donuts for my son David, and he comes in and he sounded kind of like a surf. He goes, "Oh, totally awesome way to start the day." So, I, it didn't wasn't lost on me that a dentist is giving chocolate to my child. But thank you, doctor. I appreciate it. <laughs> Tim, help me out. Let's get going. Stop. 
Will you please stand if you're able? We come together this morning in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open and all desires are known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sins to God our Father, most merciful God. We confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways. To the glory of your holy name, amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his Son to die for you. And for his sake, he forgives you all of your sins. And as your called and ordained servant of Christ, and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. I'll give you a chance. <laughs> for the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Lord have mercy. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. 
glory to God in the highest and peace to his people on earth. Lord God, heavenly King, almighty God and Father, we worship you and we give you thanks. We praise you for your glory. Lord Jesus Christ, only Son of the Father, Lord God, Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world. Have mercy on us. You are seated at the right hand of the Father. Receive our prayer for you alone are the Holy One. You alone are the Lord. You alone are the Most High. Jesus Christ with the Holy Spirit in the glory of God the Father. Amen. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Almighty God, by your great goodness, mercifully look upon your people that we may be governed and preserved evermore in body and soul through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. morning. Get situated here. I did an audible. I I added some verses uh, to what I'm going to read because it makes sense when we're not starting in the middle of a sentence. The first reading this morning is taken from the book of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 43, verses 11 through 28, and it can be found on page 1127 in your pew Bible. Now Isaiah, about 700 years before the birth of Christ, is addressing the Israelites, and he's giving them words dictated by God. So this is God speaking. And he's addressing an insolent and disrespectful Israelite nation, reminding them of who he is and how he has saved them from Egypt and is taking them through the wilderness to the promised land and then out of Babylon captivity. He loves them, but they will be punished for their insolence before they're saved again. I think you'll find these words are could be spoken to citizens of the United States today. Isaiah chapter 43, beginning with the 11th verse. I, even I, am the Lord, and apart from me there is no Savior. I have revealed and saved and proclaimed. I, and not some foreign God among you, 
You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, that I am God. Yes, and from ancient days I am he. No one can deliver out of my hand. When I act, who can reverse it? This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. For your sake I will send to Babylon and bring down as fugitives all the Babylonians in the ships that they took pride. I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's creator, your king. This is what the Lord says, he who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there, never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. You do not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. Yet you have not called on me, Jacob. You have not wearied yourselves for me, Israel. You have not brought me sheep for burnt offerings, nor honored me with your sacrifices. I have not burdened you with grain offerings, nor wearied you with demands for incense. You have not bought any fragrant calamus for me, or lavished on me the fat of your sacrifices. But you have burdened me with your sins, and wearied me with your offenses. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and remembers your sins no more. Review the past for me. Let us argue the matter together. State the case for your innocence. Your first father sinned. Those I sent to teach you rebelled against me. So I disgraced the dignitaries of your temple. I consigned Jacob to destruction and Israel to scorn. The second reading this morning is Psalm 126, and we can read that responsibly. It's printed in your bulletin. This is a song celebrating the return of the Israelites from Babylonian exile, and a reminder that bad times are followed by joy when following God's word, as difficult as that might be. Psalm 126. When the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then the mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us and we are glad. Bring back our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing the shivs with him. By your silence, I'm guessing this is not what's in your bulletin. It's still good. Okay. The epistle this morning is taken from Paul's letter to, uh, to the Philippians, 
chapter 3, verses 4 through 14, and this can be found on page 1828 in your Pew Bible. Paul, who was previously named Saul and a prominent Pharisee and persecutor of Christians, speaks of his past and the change brought about by the power of God. For it is we who are the circumcision, and we serve God by his Spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, now I consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken a hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Here ends the reading. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Hallelujah. <clears throat> the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke from the 20th chapter. Glory to you, O Christ. Our Gospel this morning is indeed from St. Luke. It is Luke 20 verses 9 through 20, and it can be found on page 1633 in your pew Bible. Luke records, Then he began to tell the people this parable. A certain man planted a vineyard, and then he leased it to vine dressers and went into a far country for a long time. Now at vintage time, he sent a servant to the vine dressers that they might give him some of the fruit of the vineyard. But the vine dressers beat him, and they sent him away empty-handed. 
And again, he sent another servant. And they beat him also. And they treated him shamefully. And they sent him away empty-handed. And again, he sent a third. And they wounded him also. And they cast him out. Then the owner of the vineyard said, What shall I do? I will send my beloved son. Probably they will respect him when they see him. But when the vine dressers saw him, they reasoned among themselves, saying, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, that the inheritance may be ours. So they cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, what will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and destroy those vine dressers and give the vineyard to others. And when they heard it, they said, Certainly not. And then he looked at them and said, What then is this that is written? The stone which the builders rejected, has become the chief cornerstone. Whoever falls on that stone will be broken, but on whomever it falls, it will grind him to powder. And the chief priests and the scribes that very hour sought to lay hands on him, but they feared the people, for they knew that he had spoken this parable against them. And so they watched him, and they sent spies who pretended to be righteous, that they might seize on his words in order to deliver him to the power and the authority of the governor. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. So the parable today in today's gospel is is very disturbing. The response of the people reveals to us that it was disturbing. When Jesus told this parable to the people, they responded with the words, surely not. And they responded with these words in the hope that there was still time to avoid the dire prophecy in the parable. The parable takes place in and around a vineyard. And this vineyard represents the special heritage that God gave to his people, Israel. And the owner corresponds to the Lord. And then the tenants represent the people of Israel, especially. Especially the religious leaders, such as priests, the Levites, the scribes, and so forth. The agents that the owner sent to collect rent represented the prophets that God had sent to his people. And then, of course, there's the son. 
that the owner sent to collect the rent. And Jesus is very obviously talking about himself. And just as the tenants threw the son out of the vineyard and killed him, so the religious leaders would arrange to have Jesus marched out of Jerusalem and killed on a cross. And Jesus ended the parable with the verdict against the evil tenants when he posed this, what then will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and destroy those tenants and give the vineyard to others. God God deeply desires to give his rich heritage of salvation to all people. But those who reject, who reject salvation will have no part in it. And as we study the parable, the question really comes up. It almost screams to be asked, and that is, what was this owner thinking when he sent his son to collect the rent? Who in their right mind is going to do that? And if it were a normal earthly owner of the time, he would send the first agent, period. And when the first agent returned all beat up, the typical landowner of the time would send many of his clan to collect the rent with extreme prejudice. Now in our day and age, we would call the police and ask them to arrest those criminals and prosecute them to the full extent of the law. And the one thing that we would never do was to send our son to collect the rent after the tenants had put three of our rent collectors in the hospital. No earthly landowner would send his son into this situation. And even so, that is exactly what God the Father did with his son. You see, in spite of our tendency to treat his servants, our neighbors, like yesterday's trash, God still loves us. And it is in that love that he sent his son in spite of the fact that he knew that he would die. And as the Holy Spirit-inspired Paul to write this, if you were to read Romans 5, verse 8, it says, God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And it is interesting that all Christians know that Jesus loves them. Right? Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so, right? But did you know that in all four Gospels, in all four, 
there is only one account of Jesus actually saying, I love you. Did you know that? Only once. In the four Gospels, I'll give you a clue. It's one of the sons of thunder. The one who, one of the sons of thunder. It's in one of those. That's all I'm going to tell you. I'll tell you at the end, because I don't want you looking through your Bible right now. But the reason that we know that Jesus loves us is that he demonstrated that love with his life, with his suffering, his death, and his resurrection. And he came into this world even though he knew that he would die a horrible, cruel death. And instead of talking about love, Jesus actually does love. So let's think about it. As the Son of God, Jesus lived in the glory and in the holiness of heaven. And the truth is that he left heaven to spend nine months in the womb of the Virgin Mary. That is the way that Jesus says, I love you. And then after his birth, he had to spend about 33 years surrounded by sinful human beings. That is the way that Jesus says, I love you. Now, Satan made Jesus his personal project with relentless temptation. And despite all of that, Jesus never sinned. That is the way that Jesus says, I love you. So then we hear and we have the ultimate demonstration of God's love for us. And nothing more clearly demonstrates God's love for us than the suffering and crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Jesus suffered more than just the pain of the crucifixion on that cross. You'll recall, and and we will hear again in the next few weeks, when Christ cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was experiencing something that we cannot even understand. And that is that somehow, one part of the triune God was forsaking another part. And we can't even imagine what that means except to say that forsakenness was infinitely more painful than the physical pain of the cross. And it is in that agony that Jesus demonstrated his love for us in a way that can't be expressed by a mere word. You cannot talk about God's love for us unless you talk about Jesus on the cross. And if you do not talk about Jesus on the cross, then you are not talking about God's love for us. 
Jesus has a vision for the church. He, the Holy Spirit actually inspired Luke, the evangelist, to record an account of that vision. When Jesus spoke to his disciples, if you were to look up Luke 24, verses 46 through 47, Jesus said, And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. And then verse 47 says, And that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. It is in this vision statement that Jesus tells his church that they are to tell of his love by proclaiming repentance and the forgiveness of sins to all nations. Now, since God has planted us here in Westminster, California, Jesus' vision for us is to proclaim repentance and forgiveness of sins to Orange County, California, as well as across the state and throughout the world. Now, since this is Christ's vision, I have to proclaim repentance and forgiveness of sins every time that we gather in this place. That is how Jesus has told me to serve his love to you. And if I do not tell you something about repentance and the forgiveness of sins, then I have really not told you about God's love. We find God's love in holy baptism. When Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River, he purified the waters of baptism by taking the sin of the world onto himself. And when someone acted as the agent of God in your baptism, they applied liquid love to your body when they applied the water of baptism according to Christ's command. The union of baptism continues throughout our lives as we regularly confess our sins to God and then we receive his forgiveness. And when I say those words as your called and ordained servant of Christ and by his authority, I declare to you the entire forgiveness of your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. When I say those words, Jesus is saying, I I love you. And one night, on the night when Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and the wine and he instituted his supper. And he made the promise that whenever we consecrate the elements of bread and wine according to his command, he will somehow be present in those elements. It's his promise. He will be somehow 
in those elements. And he has promised that he will give us his body and his blood in, with, and under the bread and the wine of the sacrament. And that body is the body that died on the cross, but now lives forevermore. And that blood is the blood that he shed on the cross, but now is a, is a living blood. And so when I distribute the elements of the supper, of his supper, I have the overwhelming privilege of placing the love of Christ into your mouth in the form of his body and his blood. And the very nature of this distribution of these gifts means that I am individually and personally and intimately giving God's love to you. And God is saying, I love you, one mouth at a time. So how can anyone blame me for wanting to give you that love every time that we gather in this place? Every time we say the creed, we give a short summary of the love that Jesus did for us. That is, conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, crucified, dead, buried, descended into hell, raised from the dead, ascended into heaven, promised to return to take us home. All these are the love of God that is done for us in and through Jesus Christ. In the first chapter of the Bible, God tells us about his love in creation. And in the last chapter of the Bible, God tells us that the church is the bride of the Lamb. And the Bible is founded on love from the beginning to the end. And the focus of that love, the focus of that love is the cross. And if, if you do not see love when you look at Jesus on the cross, if you do not see gospel when you consider his death for you, then the rest of the Bible, especially the parable in today's gospel, will be total nonsense. For if love is not the reason for sending his son to certain death, then we are left with only two other choices. And those choices are either God is insane or God is totally evil. And we know he's not. And as the Holy Spirit, again, inspired Paul to write this to the letter to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 23 through 24. He wrote this. You've heard it before. We preach Christ crucified, 
a stumbling block to Jews and a folly to Gentiles, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Luther commented this, that human wisdom cannot lead to God who reveals himself in the message of the cross. The forgiveness of sins cannot come to us in any other way than the word. Now I could go on and on on all the different ways that God demonstrates his love in the, in the Holy Bible, but we just don't have the time today. And also, um, last week I went 27 minutes. I won't do that again to you today. But Jesus gives us enough love in his word to last an eternity. And we're certainly not going to use it up in one sermon. But I want to close with one last point. That we talked about Christ's vision for the church. And as he has told her to proclaim repentance and forgiveness of sins, a pastor must give to his congregation and all who tune in to hear the message each Sunday. A pastor must give to them the proper distinction between law and gospel. And you may ask, what is that? Well, I'm going to tell you. On the words of Christ in John 7, verse 37, John was the, one of the sons of thunder. Big hint earlier. If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. And Luther comments on this. He says, there are two simple subjects on which we preach, the law and the gospel. The law produces thirst. It leads the hearer to hell, and then it slays him. The gospel, however, refreshes him and leads him to heaven. Luther's five solas. Sola scriptura, word alone. Sola fide, faith alone. Sola gracia, grace alone. Solas Christus, Christ alone. Soli Deo gloria, only to God be the glory. And that's what we serve up each Sunday here and every day of the week. In the name of Jesus, amen. Oh my soul, what wondrous 
to bear the dreadful curse for my soul, for my soul. To bear the dreadful curse for my soul. When I was sinking down, sinking down, sinking down. When I was sinking down, sinking down. When I was sinking down beneath God's righteous frown, Christ laid aside his crown for my soul, for my soul. Christ laid aside his crown for my soul. To God and to the Lamb I will sing, I will sing. Please stand if you're able.
Let us now confess our faith together to the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father, and through him all things were made. For us in our salvation he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. And on the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and said to the right hand, Father, he will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, and with the Father and the Son he is worshipped and glorified. He is spoken through the prophets. We believe in the one holy Catholic and apostolic church, We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let us pray for the whole church of God in Jesus Christ and for all people according to their needs. O Lord, deliver us from contending that we are righteous before you because of who we are and what we have done. Surely we are sinners who only deserve your wrath. Cause us to turn from our worthlessness and hold fast to the surpassing worth of Christ, Jesus, and his righteousness for us. Lord, in your mercy. O Lord, you gave your Son to be rejected by sinners, that we sinners might be welcomed into your kingdom. Preserve your church in this life, one for us by Christ, Christ crucified and risen. Give faithfulness to the preaching of your word and the administration of your sacraments and let your people receive these gifts with penitence and faith. Lord, in your mercy. O Lord, salvation belongs to you. Your blessing be on your people. Endow parents with every good gift to teach their children your ways that they may live in the confidence of your grace and salvation. Lord, in your mercy. O Lord, you shield us and lift our heads. Provide for us civil authorities who discourage evil and encourage good. But keep us ever mindful that our hope is in you. Lord, in your mercy. (coughs) O Lord, You sustain us each day, granting us sleep and waking us again. 
Be the consolation of those who live in anxiety and fear, assuring them of your mercy and deliverance in Christ. Lord, in your mercy. O Lord, bestow your kindness to all of those in any need, those that we have on our hearts and those who we mention out loud right now. Lord, in your mercy, O Lord, you do not extinguish us like a wick for our sin, but you enlighten us for the sake of Jesus. Grant that our light may shine before others, that they may see our works and glorify you. Lord, in your mercy, O Lord, St. Paul counted all things as rubbish in order that he might gain Christ. Give us repentant hearts that we would abandon all confidence in our flesh and so receive your Son's body and blood for the forgiveness of our sins. Lord, in your mercy. O Lord, in baptism you have shared Christ's suffering, death, and resurrection with us that we might be raised from the dead. Preserve us from taking his sacrifice for granted. Encourage us to forget what lies behind and strain forward to what lies ahead until we attain the resurrection from the dead through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. And now may the peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us share the peace responsibly at a distance. Will you pray with me? Blessed are you, O Lord our God, maker of all things. Through your goodness, you have blessed us with these gifts. With them, we offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all that you have made. For the sake of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places offer thanks and praise to you, O Lord, Holy Father, through Christ our Lord. You bid your people cleanse their hearts and prepare with joy the paschal feast, renew our zeal and faith and love, and bring us to the fullness of grace that belongs to the children of God. And so, with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, Lord God of power and might, 
Heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. In the night in which our Lord Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he gave thanks. And then he broke it, giving it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again, after supper, Jesus took the cup and he gave thanks. And then he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and drink. This is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. For we know that as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, that we proclaim Christ's death, his resurrection, and his glorious coming again. Let us now pray together that perfect prayer that Jesus gave to us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. You've heard me say it before. It was in the sermon too, but it was love that held Jesus on the cross. It wasn't nails. It was his love for you and for me. And this sacrament of the altar, a foretaste of the feast of co to come, is actually love. His way of saying, I love you. May you see that. May you sense it. May you grasp it. May you believe it as you come with repentant hearts, penitent hearts, and receive grace upon grace, forgiveness of sins, rescue from sin, death, and the devil that he did for you and for me. His love letter. Amen. Come, the table is prepared.
To your name. 
simple message. Christ and him crucified. That's what Paul said. And it really is all that matters. Christ and him crucified for the forgiveness of sins. For all who believe. Now the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and grant you his perfect peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I worship you, almighty God. There is none like you. I worship you, oh Prince of Peace. That is what I long to do. I give you praise for you. I will.